This show is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, the Justice League of board game podcasts. Find out more at Dicetower.com. Welcome to another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 268. Hello, everybody. We are so happy to be doing another show. I mean, we're happy to be doing this every week. Always. Even though we're often tired, as you you know mentioned last week. But mm-hmm. we are very, very excited to be here to talk about something that we put a lot of work into. Board games. So, um, yes, <laughs> but... <laughs> so this week on the Family Gamers Podcast, we are going to talk about our holiday gift guide. Yay! So this is something we released, I think, two weeks ago now, and obviously, as it usually does, it's got a fair bit of traction, and we are super happy to talk about it with everybody on the show. Yeah, and you probably should be shopping early for your mm. holiday gifts. Yeah. Although by the time- There's you, no probably. You should be shopping early. Although by year. the time you hear this, uh, we'll only be about a week and a half out from Hanukkah? So it's not even that early anymore to be shopping. Right. Depending Get that shopping on, done. <laughs> depending on whatever your gift giving occasion is this holiday season, Thanksgiving is right around the corner. And right after that, American Thanksgiving, all of the things happen. Yes. So yeah, we definitely wanted to make sure that we got our gift guide out early for the board gamers in your life. But first, I bet you have a fact. I do have a fact. This fact is actually, it's like really depressing. Okay. So according to the New York Times, now this was actually an article that was written in 2003, but I remember the last 20 years and this hasn't changed. Okay. According to the New York Times, over the last approximately 3,500 years of recorded human history, which is all of our- Recorded human history. Recorded human history, human beings have been entirely at peace for only 268 of those years. Wow. Uh, So it's right around 8% of recorded history, human beings have been at peace. Otherwise, they have been engaged in some sort of conflict that has cost more than 1,000 lives somewhere in the world, which is how you define a war. It's like the actual definition of a war. Every year. Yes. I, wow. I mean, it could be a conflict that spans multiple years. Right, right, right. That costs, I mean, you know, a, a thousand like, lives. But like, for example, the the conflict in Afghanistan, that which technically, the U.S. military air quote is over as far as the United States are concerned, but it's still a worldwide conflict. Right. So yeah, that's my fact. Um, it's uh, it's pretty depressing. Like, can't we all just get along, man? But we are not here to depress you. We are here to be positive and uplifting. And we are going to talk about something that has been a huge boon for the Family Gamers, and that is our sponsor, First Move Financial. So you know that feeling of wanting to finish a movie just because you paid for it, or when you think you may as well finish a game that's run really long and everyone is miserable? It's me. That's called the sunk cost fallacy. Don't do it. (laughs) Just because you've already invested resources into something doesn't actually tell you if it's worth that next bit of resources to see it through a little further. If you aren't enjoying book one of a series, why keep going because it, quote, gets really good in book five? If you need a sounding board for your life's financial decisions, go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers and set up a time to talk to First Move Financial about the sunk cost fallacy or any of your other financial questions. 
All right. Thanks so much to First Move Financial for sponsoring this episode of the show, which is way more positive than my fact this week. Uh, yes. <laughs> All right. So I already mentioned at the top of the show, we are going to be talking about the holiday gift guide this year, which we put a lot of work into. I yes, hope it do. has been helpful for some people already. Uh, some people have read it and said, hey, this is really great, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope mm-hmm. it's been helpful. And I am sure that it's going to be helpful to some of our listeners. So we'll talk about that second half of the show. But first, as always, we are going to talk about what we've been playing. All right. And this will include more con plays yes. from a week ago. Yes. So why don't you uh, share some of that con stuff that you've been you know, doing that you did? Yes, I will totally do that. First, I learned that we've been playing Garinto wrong. Wah, wah. <laughs> wah, wah. We have actually been making Garinto too hard for ourselves. Okay. So I learned how to play it correctly at QScon. And played it a bunch of times because it's. Now I don't it's say, more fun. I don't want to say it's more fun, but like it's more rewarding. Okay. So we had thought that moving the various types of tiles around in Garinto, you could only collect the same kind of tile on your move. Right. That's not true. You can collect any tiles you want as long as you're following the pattern set out by the tile you moved. Okay. So it's way easier to just amass lots and lots of tiles. And it's a lot of fun that way. So that's my first game. I even demoed it for a few other people once I knew what I was doing. And mm-hmm. that was cool. <laughs> it's always helpful to, have, to know the rules if you're going to demo something. I mean, yeah. Right. Uh, I also introduced many, many, many people to Super Mega Lucky Box. Because I kind of low-key, high-key love it. Yeah, there's nothing low-key <laughs> about nothing our low-key. appreciation for Super Mega Lucky Box. It was a great con game because it was one of those like, oh, you're waiting for people for the next 10 minutes? Come play this game with me. Yep. Yep. We had a great time with it. Other games that we own that I played at the con include Fire Tower. Mm -hmm. Asher explicitly asked us to bring this along and see if we could play it five players. And we actually did on our first night of the con, three other very accommodating adults who were like, oh, yeah, I think I've played Fire Tower once before. Oh, there's a five-player mode with the expansion? Sure, I'll, I'll try it. We had a great time, and Asher won because, of course, people underestimated him <laughs> and did not <laughs> go for the jugular on yeah. the child. Don't sleep on this one. A <laughs> uh, couple other quick ones. I got another chance to play Grabwell. Okay, yeah. Uh, the new edition, but we played by the old edition rules. <laughs> okay. So... The new edition of Gravwell, the second edition, adds asymmetric player powers and all kinds of stuff, and the little minis for the ships are way cooler. But the base of the game is the same, and since everybody else playing it was new, we're like, you know what, we're just going to toss all of this asymmetric stuff out the window, and we're just going straight ahead with the standard Gravwell rules. Okay, yeah, I mean, well, if, if that's the only difference, then that's pretty easy to play by the old rules. I, Pretty easy. Well, there's asymmetric powers, and then there's like power cards you can draw that give you more okay. opportunities. I see. I see. So we just right. threw all that out. Cool. <laughs> it's such a weird, wonky game, and I really, really enjoy it. <laughs> and a con was a great place to play it because I played it with other people who wanted to play it. <sighs> I showed Asher Seven Wonders. Mm-hmm. We played with six players. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, I mean, the vast majority of my plays of Seven Wonders are on BGA at this point. Uh, yes. It's just kind of the way it I is. Learned I learned how to play it on BGA. I would really be curious to get his take on Seven Wonders. We have a copy that we actually have never gotten to the table in our house. Yes. 
And so, you know, if he doesn't like it, then we're probably just going to move on from that without ever getting it to the table. Yeah. We'll definitely hang on to Seven Wonders Duel. Mm-hmm. I oh, like, yeah, for sure. I yep. like that one yep, a lot. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, I just don't know how much Seven Wonders is going to get played in our house. But right. yeah, I'll talk to Asher more about that and find mm-hmm. out what he thinks. Yeah. Before we even left for the con, Asher had showed me Micro Macro Crime City. Mm-hmm. We did a whole bunch of the missions. They really? are really cool. Yeah, that game is so neat, isn't it? There are definitely a few things in the missions that are not entirely child-appropriate, but they're not, like, way out there either. It, mm-hmm. Well, it's not graphic. I mean... There is a drawing of a painting of a nude lady, which features in the plot line for one of okay. these. That's as graphic as it gets. So, nah, you may or may not want to do that one with your kids. Okay. I mean, if you're really sensitive to that stuff, maybe. Yeah. Okay. But other than that, it was great. No, I, I can't wait to do more of it. One thing I don't know, are, are you drawing on it nope. in any way? You're nope. not. You're not. Okay. That it, was the one thing I wasn't sure about. It very much feels like a Where's Waldo. You're yeah, yeah. finding things on the map, and then a lot of the time you're tracing forward or backward to say, where did this person go next? Or where did they come from? So you're looking at their orientation and like facing and trying to trace from there and find the next spot on the map. Yeah, it's really interesting how they kind of represent multiple periods of time mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. the one map kind of thing. But it, the map is so big and the people are so small that you kind of can get away with that and it's not weird. Uh, yeah, well, it also makes me think, honestly, it reminds me of the Richard Scary, the big busy books from Richard Scary. Okay. Uh, because he uses that technique a lot too, that there would be text on the page and as you follow through reading the text, you just kind of see multiple illustrations yep. of the same character within your bigger setting of like the street or sure. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Now I'm going to skip to something that I played after I got back from the con. We have a pre-release copy of Rove, Result-Oriented Versatile Explorer. This is a brand new solo game coming from Button Shy. I will be reviewing it very soon because it's going to be available Black Friday. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, it's only like... That's- a Soon. week and a half away or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Cra- kind of crazy, actually, to think about that. It is a really neat, solo, puzzly kind of game. It's got two different pieces to it, which I really like. You are trying to fulfill missions, which is get your six module cards into some specific set of orientations. And you're doing that through playing movement cards. And each of the six modules moves in a different way. So basically, you have generic movement points. And then you're figuring out how to spend them to get it into a, an orientation that matches the puzzle. Cool. And you have to do that over and over and over again because <laughs> you're supposed to fill seven missions to win the game. I see. The best I have done is six. I mean, that's close. <laughs> it's close. It's yeah, always just bad. close enough that I'm like, I, oh, if I had just done that one thing better. So I'm very much enjoying it as a solo puzzly kind of game. Right now, honestly, my biggest complaint is that I need a decent sized table to play it on. I okay. this I can't play this like in a car or waiting for somebody. Right. right, right. Yeah. Cool. It's been good. Sounds fun. How about your turn? What's something you've played in the last week? Oh, do you want to talk about something I've played with you or do you want me to I talk about something I haven't played with you? You pick something. Uh well, we played uh, another game of Kim Joe's Magic Bakery. Yep. Uh but we included the entire family this time, so we went actually back and we played campaign number 1 again. With all five of us. I would say the game does not feel 
that different at a higher player count, and I don't feel like it slowed the game down that much. I mean, it was certainly a little bit slower, but we played it at two players before, and each player had three actions. At five players, each player has two actions, and man, is it's hard to do something meaningful on your turn with only two actions. Well, I... I think, I mean, I wasn't around when you played it at two, but at five players, there was a lot of how can we set up and hand everything to one player so they can finish a recipe. There's certainly some of that. Like there's certainly when you have three actions, part of that kind of thing. But when you play, you can like pick something up, use it and something that you had to make something and then give that thing that you've made that layer, you can give that to someone else, which feels a lot more fulfilling than pick up the butter and hand it to someone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it does. So I obviously I understand why they did this. Cause I mean, if, if everybody had three actions, it would, everything just would been, get done all the time. It, yeah. Every, well, I mean, they would have, you know, adjusted it to make that part harder, but like it would have been so interminable. Like, yeah, because even this is the big thing. At two actions per player with five players, it did feel like there was a little bit of analysis paralysis almost. There was so much time spent trying to make sure that we min-maxed the game. It wasn't, I guess, analysis paralysis is wrong because we were certainly making decisions, you know, in a relatively short amount of time. But it was very much a, okay, let's work through this sequencing thing and see which way that we can go to make sure that this thing works and, and this level of collaboration. Now, on the one hand, the level of collaboration is nice because you can kind of talk about your stuff. Remember, I, I talked about yeah, this last time. You can't, you can't show, show your cards, cards but, but you can, can talk, talk about, about them, them which sure. is weird. Sure. But whatever. I guess it's to prevent quarterbacking or something like that. I don't know. But there certainly was a lot of planning. And, you know, we talked about games like The Adventures of Robin Hood, the Cosmos one, where there's a lot of collaboration and I'll go over here and you can go over here and we can kind of do this stuff, but there's still agency and movement. And this is a lot tighter. Like you, you're, yeah. you have to like go back and forth and pick things up and, and hand them to other people and, and build I, stuff. And I felt and, like some of our rounds were basically, okay, we got to the beginning of a round. Let's work everything out. And then we just execute the plan. You do this and then you do this and then you do this and then you do this. And now the round is over and now we, turn in a thing and oh look we kind of we made that kind of yeah and and a lot of that is the sort of the planning thing and i feel like our seven-year-old felt a little left out but i think that he was so tired that i don't think he really cared (laughs) so i mean i I definitely think more plays are in order to really get a sense of that kind of feeling part of it for me was almost like you know what i don't really want to play this game as a game where i'm you know crunching the numbers to do it yeah. yeah, I just I don't feel like that's what this game is for. I feel like this game is just for like, you know what? Just, just le- lean back a little bit. Just relax. Yeah. Have a little Kim Joy in your life. You know, I mean, she's very sure. chill. I think that's what they're really kind of going for here. And, and I feel like because we're a board game family, we're just trying to crush it. And, and every time, I mean, granted, it's the first mission. We've gotten five stars. So I really am just like, yeah, maybe maybe we're taking this almost a little bit too seriously. You know what I mean? I, maybe. I think we'll try it again in the future. Mm-hmm. I think maybe we'll try playing it in some smaller groups before we try it again at five players. That's definitely a, a possibility as like well. Like three or four players yeah, 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 before yeah. doing it again at five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I only have one more game to talk about that I didn't play with you. Okay. And that is technically two games in one box called Ice Duo. This is from Looney Labs. So Ice Duo is... A pyramid arcade game. Looney Labs has all of these pyramids games. And it's this system to make abstract games with. Ice Duo is two little fast two-player games 
one that has hidden objectives, and one that's a simple press your luck game. They're both pretty fun. It's a nice small box, so it was really portable. I actually played some of these waiting for my son at his piano lesson with my other son. (laughs) And I was really happy that I purchased it. I finally have access to these, you know, Looney Labs games. And I'm going to look up more games that we can play with these pyramids. But these two games were fun. (laughs) Okay. So I had a great time with them. And I'm, this is going to be one of those games that cycles in and out of my purse, I think. Oh, really? Okay. Interesting. (laughs) It's a little big for that. Like, it's definitely not a pocket sized game, but it's small enough to fit in my purse pretty easily. So I think I'm going to keep it on hand. Sweet. Sounds good. I I like the pyramids the being kind of translucent and uh, i mean they have really nice table presence they look yes. good you know yes. stuff like that so yeah this particular set there are two each of five different colors one game uses all of them and the other game only uses one set of each color very cool games right. maybe that's why it's the ice duo <laughs> makes, makes sense <laughs> to me i guess i, I don't know <laughs> i don't know all right so we got a package from the op a few days ago, which was very exciting because very the op exciting. makes awesome games with incredible intellectual properties. And in this box was a family weight RPG based on the Pixar movie Onward, which mm-hmm, is pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. There was another Coded Chronicles, which we talked about the Scooby-Doo Coded Chronicles that we did almost a year ago now. Maybe it was a year ago. I don't even it know. It was more than a year ago. It was, ago. Year. It was about 18 But this one ago. is uh, Goonies. Code of Chronicles game, which I'm pretty excited for. We got a cooperative uh, Kingdom Hearts die rolling game where we're fighting back the Heartless, Mm -hmm, which is mm -hmm. awesome. But the one that I was over the moon excited about was Cuphead Fast Rolling Dice Game. So a million episodes ago or something, uh, I was playing through Cuphead. I really like platformers uh, video games i really don't say difficult platformers that that require a lot of repetition and and really perfecting timing and and all this stuff and i love the music from cuphead and i love the style of cuphead and i just i just love everything about this game and when i saw that the op was making a board game the op is one of only a few companies that can make an IP-based board game that is actually good. Yes. And, I mean, there have been some misses, right? I, I, like They can't all be yeah, perfect. Yeah, I mean, Super Mario Level Up was like a remake of King Me or Kingmaker or something uh, like that. And that game was like, yeah, it was okay. It's fine, you although know, I saw people playing that at QSON. It's fine, but it's not good, is I guess what I'm saying. But anyway, yeah. so Cuphead Fast Rolling Dice Game. So this is really, really cool. So the way that this game is structured, it's structured kind of like some of the other stuff that we've seen from the op, like uh, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle and then Toy Story Obstacles and Adventures, where mm-hmm. you open it up and there's boxes for like, in, in Harry Potter, it's for each book. In Obstacles and Adventures, it's kind of for each movie. And in Fast Rolling Dice Game, it's for, it, it says each boss. So it's, so you're really kind of playing the boss levels, which is what most of Cuphead is. They call it the Fast Rolling Dice Game because as a group, you decide, do you want a 20 second timer, a 15 second timer, or a 10 second timer? Every round, you kick off the timer and then you start rolling your dice as fast as you can. Because what is happening is you've dealt out cards from the boss deck and there are certain symbols on those cards 
and every player has to defend against those symbols on their own player mat. So you have Cuphead and Mugman and Miss Chalice and Elder Kettle. Those are the four players that you can be. And everybody has a special player power. Cuphead and Mugman have the same one. I think Miss Chalice and, and Elder Kettle have different ones. But so everybody has to roll the same symbols in order to defend against the boss. The way it works is there's four slots, up to four slots for cards. It's either three or four. And sometimes the cards that you have to match have one symbol. Sometimes they have two symbols. If they have one symbol, you can put the little like finger gun symbol in the other slot on your player mat. And if you do, then that becomes damage that you deal to the boss. So you need to defend because you only have three hit points. So you need to defend using these die rolls that match whatever's in the boss deck. But also you can have the opportunity to interject some shooting of the boss who has, you know, a fixed hit point amount over the course of, of you know, defending these things. And so that's the game. And so when that timer runs out, you kind of evaluate. And if you get to a certain point, you, you know, you, you didn't get the right symbols. And so you take some hit points and you lose those or whatever. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get these like whammo or something like that. I don't remember what the whack, I don't remember what the, the word is, but sometimes you get these extra cards. Sometimes you get parry icons, which you can use to kind of resurrect your friends if they die. It's, it's really, really interesting. And the, the whole 2015, 10 second timer thing at the end of the boss fight, you get bonuses to your points, depending on which timer you chose. If you chose the 20, you get no bonus. If you chose something less, you get bonuses. Okay. And basically, just like in Cuphead, where they grade you like A plus through D minus or, or F if you lose, your, your score grades your battle. And so, yeah, you might beat the boss, but you might beat the boss and get a D minus or a D, which is what we got when we played. So we were successful in beating the, the first boss in the first round or whatever. But uh, our success rating was not terribly high. If you beat a boss, you get coins. You can then use coins to purchase stuff in the... Um, there's like a, like a hog who has a store in the game. And you basically can purchase like replacement weapons that you can choose to use if you want to. So they did a really, really good job of tying the IP in. And this die rolling thing is really, really interesting because sometimes you roll and you're like, oh, I got the finger guns. But... I didn't get the symbols that I want, or sometimes it's like I got finger guns and I got the symbols for the next card, but I didn't get the symbols for the first card because you can't go back. So once you kind mm -hmm. of move along, like you, those things are gone. So there, it's not pressure luck, but it's kind of, you have to take the risk or really, really hope that you're going to get the thing that you want because once you commit dice to your player, mat, you can't roll those dice anymore. So there's a lot of thinking and you only have 20 seconds. So you're kind of trying to figure this out really, really quickly. Do I want to keep rolling these dice? Do I want to take this chance? What do I want to do? And it's just, it's, it's really frenetic. And that feeling of like, ah, what am I going to do next? You know, that you have when you're playing the game because you just have to be on, you just to be so on yep. in order to get the timing right to be successful in Cuphead. That like kind of panicked feeling is in the fast rolling dice game and i love it i just love it so much it was so fun and you know it was just me and asher our 10 year old playing this game i don't think that elliot our seven year old can think fast enough for this this is a game sure. that you have to be able to think fast i'm sure there are many adults that will get overwhelmed by this it you have to be able to make very fast decisions. Okay. Uh, and, and that that's kind of my big warning about this game because if you have tried to play, for example, Steampunk Rally, and there's just you just can't do it. There's just too much dice flying all over the place and everything. This is a game that is probably going to be hard for you. But 
I had a an absolute you know blast playing that it was it was really really a lot of fun and it's really cool it's a little bit fiddly with kind of all the different things you got to flip the card out you got to get the timer the official timer is not out yet from the ops so like my phone would keep going to sleep which meant i had to you know do the stupid face thing oh and yeah it was just it was a little obnoxious all that stuff but i think when the app comes out it'll hopefully make it a little bit easier maybe there's a way for me to tell my phone to stop going to sleep so quickly or something like that i don't know but yeah that was cuphead the fast rolling dice game kind of talked about that for a long time but it's really really a lot of fun i look forward to playing it more i really want to play it with more players and see if it just gets brutally difficult because i did have to spend a fair amount of effort keeping asher alive (laughs) because if somebody like really really loses you lose the fight all right one last one you and i played this one together we did back to the future back in time so i had played this before uh we had played it i think i played it with asher just to two player game of it i really had fun with it obviously he didn't get basically any of the references but Mm -hmm. mechanically he enjoyed what was going on sure so we played it three adults and we all have seen this movie many times we enjoyed playing this game because we knew what was supposed to happen we knew why biff is a bad guy yep yep we have more of a feeling of why Lorraine and George would keep kind of wandering away from each other when we actually want them to fall in love. Because they're idiots. But anyway. <laughs> I mean, they're idiot teenagers. That, right. That, but the cool yeah. thing about the environment in which we play this game was that the third per it was you and me and then uh, our staff writer, Corey. Corey plays this game with his kids and he has never won before. <laughs> so he's always playing this game at four or five players. I don't remember what he said. Four. And I have heard that this game is harder at higher player counts. So we sat down and we played a three-player game. Now, there was one or two points in the game where some certain role went terribly. Yes. And it looked like, uh uh-oh, all could be lost. Yes. But we were able to squeak this one out. Well, and that's just it. Like, it was we kind of squeaked it out. We had everything ready a couple of rounds before the end, and then we had to check the rules be like, oh, no. We have to keep playing through and make sure that everything stays ready right. until that magic moment that the lightning bolt comes down and <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the car actually, is ready to go. You know, go. I, I almost think that I talked about that the last time I played you probably this did, yeah. on the show. I thought that part of it was smart. That it's not just like, it's okay, clever, you fulfilled yeah. all of the end conditions. The game is over. No, 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 no. You have to do this and it's got to be right at the right time. Yeah. And part of that also means that you're guaranteed that every player will get the same number of turns, Mm -hmm. both for the good stuff and for the bad stuff. So, like, the bad stuff can keep happening. Right. It was a lot of fun. I can see why it would be harder at four players. And we discovered that some of these roles that are not true to the movie, quote unquote, that is Einstein the dog and Jennifer the girlfriend, are actually probably more powerful and useful than marty and doc Maybe in some just, ways just I mean, by marty a was bit. pretty handy marty was you handy. know um so i mean doc's ability is that he can go to the delorean which as it turns out like mm. the DeLorean's almost the incidental piece of this game like it's the lorraine george biffed love triangle that you really have to manage yeah one of the things i really like about this game is that it's not like you can kind of set up 
a perimeter around George and Lorraine and then they'll oh, yeah, stay. No. So like Biff will move through your groups of characters. He doesn't yeah. care. And Lorraine and George will wander <laughs> and George away. George keeps like, wandering off. Like lost sheep. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I I really I had like a, a lot of compassion for like shepherds when they're like, come on back, you moron. Like, get yeah. over here. You know what I mean? That kind I of already thing. put you two together. Just right? stay together. Yes. Can I just tape you together? You know, whatever. But I just, I felt like the team at Prosper Hall that put this together, like they do such a good job with their games where they stick close to the source material as needed, but when something doesn't make a game, like it doesn't work for a game, they'll step away and they'll try to keep it in theme, but they'll step away. And I appreciated that. Well, and so an example of that is having Jennifer as a playable character. Because, I mean, honestly, like she shows up in Back to the Future, the first movie, but only barely Mm -hmm. so the other thing that i you know feel like i need to comment about is like the art it's it's very and the reason why is because i always say oh the art in this game is so great oh the art in this game is so great this art is just fine i mean it's it's very comic booky like if you made a comic book out of the movie this is kind of the art i would expect to see it also makes me think a little bit of like the Archie comics, Archie and Jughead sort of thing. I things. mean, kind of. You know, I, I guess that that's a feel they're going for. Like, I'm not saying the art's bad, but it definitely, like, there's a lot of games right now that, like, just kill it with, you know, the art and... And this one is just fine. the production fine. design and stuff like that. And this one is just fine. It's, it's enough to keep you in the spirit yep. of the plot and what's going on. Yep. And that's enough. Yep. I will say one more thing. Don't use the clock tower for a dice the, tower. The little dice it, tower thing. It it's, caused more problems and headaches than yeah, it needed to. So, it was not so great. you know, stay away from that. But um, I mean, it's a nice feature it's piece cute. for the, you know, for the board. Uh, but there were too many times that we would drop dice in it and they would stick at the bottom and we would have to like pick up the clock <laughs> tower and it, get would, out. And, and it would roll. It was, it was dumb. So just don't do that. Just save yourself the trouble. But uh, that is Back to the Future. Back in Time from Funko, not to be confused with the Ravensburger game, which is Dice, Dice in time. time or something like that. Or Dice Through know. Time, yeah, something, yeah, like, something that. like that. All right, well, that was a huge list of games. Most of them were yours. Believe it or not, I actually cut it down. There were lots more games I played and <laughs> thought about talking about, but trying to keep this brief. All right, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we welcome our new Facebook community members? I, yeah, there are a lot. I guess that's what happens when it's been three weeks. Yeah, that's that's what happens, unfortunately. <laughs> but let's welcome them anyway. All right. Welcome to Brandon. Welcome to Red. Welcome to Radek. Welcome to Alfin. Timothy. Christopher. Galen. Clinton. Eden. Ellis. I like Eden. That's a cool name. Eric. Bethany. Michael. Huang. Chloe. Rhett. And Bish, welcome to the Family Gamers community. Head on over to the Facebook community and say hello to our new community members. Michael has already commented on the post that you just put up five minutes ago. And uh, yeah, so we'd love to talk about what we're doing, what we're playing, any questions you might have. We're kind of all here to help one another and encourage one another in playing games with our families. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about our holiday gift guide for board games. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. We'll be right back. Make your way home and avoid the sea monsters and the rocks. 
This is the snap review for Tranquility. Tranquility is a cooperative card laying game for one to five players designed by James Emerson and published in the United States by Lucky Duck Games. Let's talk about the art in this game. This art is beautiful. It's art by Tristan Rossum. Every decade of cards has its own image and it definitely sets the tone for like sailing across the sea. I love looking at the table when it's over, when the game is over and all the cards are laid out. It's just super, super gorgeous. It is, and the few cards that don't have numbers on them really, really stand out from the rest, which is good graphic design. Right, so let's talk about the mechanics of this game, this game Tranquility, this beautiful game. How do you play it? Well, it's a cooperative sequencing game. Every player has their own deck of cards. You're collaborating, without actually sharing your cards, to create a sequence uh, containing numbers between 1 and 80. Start by setting up the game and creating the grid. There are 24 border cards you need to lay out to form the four edges of the grid. Then you'll need to separate out the start and finish cards, depending on player count, and put a certain number into the main deck. Shuffle it up, divide it evenly amongst all the players. Then every player draws five cards. So on your turn, you want to play a card into this grid. You can put that card literally anywhere as long as it follows the sequence. But there's a twist. So the twist in this game is that when you play a card next to another card, when you do that, you have to discard a number of cards equal to the difference in the card. So for example, if you play an 11 next to a 13, you need to discard... Two cards. Two cards. It also means, since you only have a hand of five, that normally you can't play numbers that are more than four apart. Right. So you always take the difference that's the lowest, and that's one of the strategies to this game. You don't need to start the game with a start card, um, which is a good thing because it requires the whole group to discard cards when it's played. You do need it before the end of the game, and then you finish the game with a finish card as the very last card played after your entire grid is complete. So there's a couple of other kind of cards in the box that introduce variants, which is great for this game. There's sea monsters, which have to be played before the game can end. And they actually, when you play one, you have to take a card, you have to select a card and take it out of Back the game. Back out of the grid. Which, great, thanks. <laughs> the rocks and, and some of the other cards that are in there make rows unusable. So you'll play the jagged rocks and that row, you can't place a card into that row for that round. These are all temporary difficulties that just keep the game a little bit more interesting. You can't play a card everywhere you want. Right. It adds some interesting strategic depth and a little bit more difficulty to the game. A little bit? A lot more difficulty <laughs> to the game. So, Anitra, what did we expect from Tranquility? Uh, when you first showed it to me, I was like, that is a very oddly shaped box. Right. Um, and then all the cards are very square, which is a little unusual. Uh, literally nothing but a giant stack of square cards and instructions inside this box. Mm -hmm. um, we knew it was going to be a cooperative card game um, with minimal communication. That's a super popular thing right now. I feel I, like there's a ton of games that are coming out with this whole, you need to do something together, but you're not allowed to talk to each other. I expected some kind of like organic tile laying game because there's no board in the box. And that's not the case here. And actually that is one of the things that we struggled with with Tranquility especially because we're family game reviewers. Yeah. So what surprised you about this game? Um, well, so my biggest surprise with Tranquility was how much space it took up based on the size of the mm -hmm. box. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to lay out a six by six grid of cards on the table, plus a border of cards all the way around. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's almost a eight by eight, which is huge. The cards are the only thing you're laying out, and it's really important that they stay in order. 
this is where the problems come in. It's really hard for, you know, kids to not fiddle around with the cards on the edges that don't seem like they're part of the action yet, for right. example. Right. right. Like, your cards are going to slide a little bit on the table, mm -hmm. and then you're going to be going, oh, no, was this, was there a space between these two cards or not? I mm -hmm. don't remember anymore. Right. This is a case where a playmat um, or a board would have actually helped a lot. It would have made this a lot easier. The setup would have been a lot more simple. But it's a nice tiny box, and you're not putting a board in there. The other surprise was... The way the difficulty ramps up, um, the basic version helps you learn the rules, but it's not terribly difficult and it's not terribly interesting, honestly. So the mini expansions of the Jagged Rocks and the Sea Monsters and the Storm Cards, they do make the game a lot more challenging, but sometimes it's almost <laughs> frustrating, again, as family game reviewers, to play it that way. Yeah, it, it might be too challenging. It's a big jump, even adding one of these mm -hmm. from the basic version. Right. So, Andrew, do we recommend Tranquility? <sighs> My feelings on this game are so mixed. As a family game, it just it does not work for us, and, and I don't think that's unique to our family. But there are some people that it does work for, I think. Yeah, I, I think this would be great for a group of friends to play and connect with each other. It's the kind of game you can play that has nothing to do with the conversations around the table, but kind of gives you something to do with your hand and with your brains. Right. If you're looking for a game that's beautiful on the table that you can play while being social with your friends, that's really Tranquility's sweet spot. I agree with that entirely. So, Anitra, what are we going to rate Tranquility from Lucky Duck Games? I think we're going to rate it three beautiful islands out of five. And that's Tranquility in, in a, a Snap. snap. So as we mentioned at the top of the show, the holidays are basically here. Yep. So we have put together our board game holiday gift guide. I'm going to preempt our talking about this to say that next week we're going to have friend of the show, Steven Dutzman on, and we're going to talk about video games. So if you're hearing this and listening to this and you're like, yeah, but my kids like video games too. Hold on. We're going to help you with that. We'll as get well. there. We're going to get there. Also, That's video games are easier to purchase in a less shipping intensive way. Yes, that's true. That's definitely true. But, you know, we do have kind of, eh, not really a sister site, but a site that we're close friends with in Engaged Family yes. Gaming. Their focus is on video games. We let them do that because they're better at it. So Way better We're going to bring them on board and we're going to talk about video game stuff next week. But this week it is our board game gift guide, which you can find if you go to the Family Gamers website and go to thefamilygamers.com slash holiday 2021. Yes. A quick disclaimer before we even start the gift guide. If you do go to the holiday 2021, all the links are affiliate links, but we recommend these games because we think they're great games. Mm -hmm. Almost every single one of these we have had and put together a review and linked to the review. So we're going to talk about them a little bit. Almost every single one of these, if you go to the gift guide, you'll be able to click directly into our review and get even more detail about each game here. We also crafted the list this year to make sure that it's games that you can actually get out there and buy. There have been a lot of supply issues, and there are games that we wanted to include and decided not to because they're just too hard to get right now. Right. So we have nine, nine sections. <laughs> nine categories. Nine categories on this thing. We're just going to start right from the top. We're going to start with games for the very young. We get this question all the time. All the time. Uh, we see this question posed maybe not to us, but we try very hard to answer it as much as we can all the time. What do I get for my two-year-old? What do I get for my three-year-old? Whatever. Even like 
what do I get for my five-year-old? They haven't played a lot of games yet. Right. So we've got four games in this category. Generally speaking, we try to keep the recommendations to three to five in each category. First one on this list is my very first games, Rhino Hero Jr. I was shocked just how much fun this was to play, even with a slightly older kid, like six, seven, eight. Mm -hmm. But your two or three or four-year-old will have a great time stacking, building, Knocking down, knocking down is very important. Uh, (laughs) They will have a great time with this game. So this is a game that we did a video snap review for, so you can see a lot of the art. If you go to the website and and click through to our review, you'll you'll be able to see the game itself. This is a game in the My Very First series from Haba. These are yellow box games. Very easy to to see. You might be able to find it in your Barnes & Noble. Barnes & Noble does carry a fair number of Haba games if you don't typically order things online, but you can obviously get it there as well. The next game on the list is also a Habit game, and this is Color It. This game is so relaxed. It's so chill. So calming, Mm -hmm. and this is a game that will grow well with your kids. Uh, The sheets in the book have kind of two different difficulty levels and two different ways you can play the game, but you can even ramp it up further with different coloring sheets that are available on the Habba website. Which is so cool which are awesome. Mm-hmm. So this is very much like my first roll and write. It is definitely my very first roll and write game. Color it from Habba. The next one also has my first in the name. <laughs> my mean, first are, Castle it, Panic. I mean, these are for kids, right? So I, that's okay. They are. Yeah. Uh, my first Castle Panic. This is its second year on the list. Totally deserving. This is a great game to work together, defend the castle, do some basic color matching and shape matching, and just a little hint of being able to predict the future and look a couple of steps ahead. So I have to give Justin DeWitt and the entire team at Fireside Games just a ton of credit with this, because when you look at a game like Castle Panic, it's a cooperative game. It's really pretty straightforward. There's not a lot of complexity. It, It gets a little complex when you add some of the expansions, but the base game, like when my first Castle Panic was announced, people were looking at Castle Panic like, like, how but do you why? make this easier? Yeah, but why? <laughs> like, why? why? And, and they, they totally they, did it. And they did an incredible job with it. And it's still fun. Like, this is a game. This is, you know, one of the first games that I played where I was like, you could give this to a kid and just let them go. And, and they can and figure it out. Yeah. And they will play it and they will enjoy it. And they can play it solo. Mm-hmm. They can play it solo following the rules i i suppose i should state that because you know rhino hero jr you can set up and stack whatever (laughs) by yourself but my first castle panic once a kid knows how to play this there's a good chance they'll be like so long mom and dad peace out i'm done i got this this." (laughs) and because of the way the mechanics are structured the game cleans itself up as you play yay always good i mean you know your kids might not put it on the shelf but at least you won't have pieces all over the place because hopefully you're putting them into the box as part <laughs> yes. of the game. All right. Our last one in games for the very young is Dragomino. It's also sometimes called My First King Domino. Mm-hmm. So this has super cute baby dragons. There's similar domino land matching like King Domino, but it evens the playing field between kids and adults because it adds a big luck factor. It actually won the Kinderspiel de Jar this year, and it won for a reason. It's a great introductory game and way to slowly ramp up towards more complex ones. Yep. It's fantastic. And it's super, super adorable. I love 
hatching little eggs and getting little baby dragons. They're very cute. Baby dragons are so cute. Mm-hmm. All right, so that is it for our games for the very young, and we're going to move right into our next section, which has three games in it, which is games for the early elementary. So this is ages six to nine or so. Yeah, ready for a little bit more complexity, but maybe not a lot of reading and math still. So the first game on the list that I'm going to mention, it's really a game for literally every age. Everybody. It's a game that literally anybody can play. It's a game that is fun and zany, and it is a game called Hero Hockey. Now, this is a game that I didn't know how this was going <laughs> to go. I just I wasn't sure. And so this is a, a game where you have a little guy with a... It's supposed to be a hockey bat. stick, but it's a bat. <laughs> and you have a magnet underneath the board, and you're playing something akin to an air hockey style game. Uh, yeah, definitely. On a play field that is roughly 12 inches wide by 18 to 20 inches long or so. So in our review, I had said it's smaller than Clask. I was wrong. It's actually almost the same size board as Clask. Vindication. You are correct. (laughs) Um, But it's still half the price. (laughs) Yes, because the tolerances, I talk about this in the review for Hero Hockey. If you go to the website, you'll see this. The tolerances for this game are not high. They did this to make this game inexpensive, get it out, make it available, and it doesn't matter. It, it's like, still totally fun. Yeah, they even, the team actually sent us a message on Instagram, and they said that they were not happy with the quality of the clips either on the scoring, and wow, they were that working feels to make them good. better in the next release. The scoring clips are garbage, and the board is not flat but it doesn't matter it doesn't it just matter. doesn't matter it's a fun game this is the kind of game where if a kid unwraps it on christmas morning it's like okay let's set this up and play this like right now and then we'll yeah. come back to the gifts in a little bit yeah i mean i don't know maybe your children aren't like that but whose me, children aren't like that everyone's children are like that Well, i mean some kids really want to open everything that's what i'm you know i don't know anyway, man anyway anyway so hero hockey tons of fun really anybody can play this you could play it younger I mean, the balls are small, so if you have kids that, you know, eat small things, just be mindful yes, of that. don't but, have it with them. Uh, so much fun. So much fun, this game, Hiroaki. Our next one on the early elementary list is also great for all ages, but really shines in this age range, and that's Inspector Mouse. By the way, a brief teaser here, break out for a moment. We will be giving away a copy of Inspector Mouse before the end of the year. Cool. Ta-da! Hey! <laughs> We've got um, some exciting holiday giveaways planned so in inspector mouse there's some memory involved a little bit of deduction and really cool components criminals fall down through this wheel mechanism and ring an alarm bell and then before you reveal anything everybody tries to figure out which criminal it was that fell through Mm -hmm. it's a memory sequencing game and i'm bad at it i'm worse (laughs) that's fine you know, once you have to keep, like, adult things in your head, like, you can't... <laughs> it gets hard. It, it's hard. It's really hard. But there's a great one for the whole family to play together, because you can also play it more cooperatively, more competitively. You, It's easy to change rules around as needed. But the toy factor on this one is real big, although not as big as hero hockey. <laughs> and it's just fun to play with the pieces as well as fun to play the game itself. Well, speaking of games with good toy factors, the third <laughs> game on our list also has an excellent toy factor, and it has a really cool table presence. Yes. And this is the game Block Ness from Blue Orange Games. 
in Loch Ness, everybody is playing as their own version of the Loch Ness monster, more or less. A lake monster. You are a lake monster. And there's a, a board that has a grid of holes in it. And you are placing your loops of your lake monster as it uh, undulates above Through the and water, below, yeah. you know, the, the surface of the water. Tr- basically, almost like a game of snake. You're trying to keep yourself alive without running out of places to go. Yeah. So you always are going over your opponent's loops. You can never go underneath them. And so there's a lot of blocking and planning. But it's, again, one of those games where if they're not so great at planning, they're still going to have fun just figuring out where to go next. And, oh, no, that didn't work. But my lake monster still looks cool. Yep. All right. Let's get into some meteor games. Games for older kids with stronger reading skills and longer attention spans. I think reading skills is kind of the key here because up until now, we haven't really run up against a game that requires reading. That is on purpose. I I know. (laughs) And the first one, this is another repeat from last year. And this is this incredible battle arena fighting game from Hub Games called Prisma Arena. Your kids are going to love probably the dress-up factor of this game. Um, if <laughs> That's a cool thing. I love. If Fortnite yeah. skins have taught us anything, <laughs> every kid who plays this can customize their little standy character with these cool vinyl stickers. They're all restickable. As you level up your character, you get them new uniforms and stuff. It's pretty great. Every character has a locker, so there's a whole metagame concept here. It's not it's not really a narrative experience, but you're growing your character and you come into a future game with higher levels and more abilities and stuff yeah. like that. And I love that like you literally have a locker and that's you open your locker and you put your vinyl clings inside your locker. Mm-hmm. Like I just it's it's so great. But the theme of this is great too. It's an arena fighting game. The reason you're fighting in an arena is to train each other up and improve your skills and improve your opponent's skills and learn how to work with these personified emotions called mocons. And all of this ties together with the idea of you. the reason why you're training is to bring hope back from despair. The whole thing fits together so nicely and the theme is awesome and everything about this game pulled our kids in and every kid that they tried to show it to, too. Right. We're passionate about this game because it's fantastic. And we love it so much because our kids love this game and are genuinely excited to play this game. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to be transparent here. This game got whacked in the face by the pandemic. Yeah, it was just coming out. Just coming out. And like we saw a prototype at PAX Unplugged 2019, which was four months before the entire world shut down. Yes. I mean, it was a mostly completed prototype at that point, but this is a game that deserves so much more attention than it has had the opportunity to get Yeah, just because it hasn't been out there. And so if we're talking about this game, Prismarine, and you're like, I have no idea what this is, it's not because this is some, you know, weird indie game, weird, you know, undiscovered diamond in the rough kind of thing. Like this game would have had a lot more cachet sitting on it and sitting you know, helping it along, except for what COVID did to the world. So do not sleep on Prisma Arena from Hub Games. It is absolutely incredible. It's it's wholesome and wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I never thought I would say that about an arena fighting game. <laughs> well, the next game on our list is also a fighting game, and it's also wonderful, 
not quite wholesome. Not quite so but wholesome. It's a ton of fun, and that is Zombie Kids Evolution. Uh, yeah. So the thing I love about this is it's there's a campaign like experience in this game, but it's really just a simple tower defense. You know, you're trying to beat back the zombies and finish your goal. Every time you play, you will move closer to your next reward. And the next time that you can open an envelope and get more stuff and do more things. So we kind of made the joke before about color it being, you know, my very first roll and write. This is kind of my very first legacy game. It totally is. And the best part is it's kind of legacy and it's kind of campaigny, but in a way that allows you to drop in and out and have different players in any given play session. Yep, yep. It also does that thing that we've talked about with Calico in the past where there's a bunch of achievements in the back oh, of the book. Oh, yeah. So you are really incentivized to try different ways of playing. Our kids are super motivated by that. Yeah. Uh, our kids don't actually listen to our show, so I can say this out loud, but Zombie Teens Evolution is already in the pile of Christmas games. Already wrapped and ready to go under and a tree. And they know it because we've stopped them from buying it on their <laughs> own. <laughs> so it's like the world's yeah. worst kept secret. But also, it really goes to show you that they were like, okay, we are very fortunate at The Family Gamers that we have a pretty constant influx of new games for what we do. Yes. This is a game that not only are they wanting more of it, but they are willing to go out and spend their own, I was going to say hard-earned, but I don't know about that, allowance money. (laughs) (laughs) Their own money. Their own allowance money to get. And that says something, I think. I do, too. So, I, I mean... Yeah, so Zombie Kids Evolution, two thumbs way up on this Scorpion Mass title. It's only like 20, 25 bucks too. So yes. it's really, really great. Next game on the list is another game from Hub Games. This is just an absolute blast to play. This is Combo Clash. So the weird thing about this game is it's nothing like what I thought it was going to be um, <laughs> when I first heard of it. It's nothing like what the name would make you think. This is a simple tile laying game. You're putting these animal tiles down, but each one has its own special power. And you want to make big groups of connected tiles for big combos and big points. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much it. The art is very much like not quite Mortal Kombat, but like these animals are going to fight each other. But there's no fighting at all. It's just... I mean, there's the, the conceit of fighting. Like, it's I kind it's, an, of, it's yeah. clearly what's happening in the game, but there's no direct combat. There's no the combat game, at right? all. It's just kind of yeah. how the combos work themselves out. So that was a lot of fun. Hugely fun. Also, fairly small. Will not take up a lot of room. Mm-hmm. All right, we got two more in this age range because it was just too hard to whittle this down. <laughs> if you've been listening for long at all, you know that I loved Happy City this year from Game Right. I think it is a great game, especially for your more conflict-averse children. Most of the other ones we've mentioned here are very conflict-heavy. Happy City is about building your best city and making the most residents happy. That's it. There's a little bit of competition as far as what you take from available resources, but that's it. It's much more of that sort of parallel solo with just a little bit of connection between I really love it. Happy City is kind of an engine builder in a way. Kind of. What you're doing with your cards is trying to build up your income so that you can buy more cards. But at the end of the day, your score is your happy rating times your population. Yes. So you're always trying to balance these 
three things. Like you can't really call happiness and population resources per se, because the only actual resource in this is, game is, is the money. Is yeah. Money. Which is why it's almost engine buildery in the sense that whatever you buy is gonna have to turn around and give you the necessary resources to continue to grow your city. Right. So it's nice. There's two difficulty levels. There's kind of a simple and then a, a little bit more complicated one that just has, you know, more specialty buildings in it and stuff like that. So we're really liking that title from Game Right. The last one on this list is Fireball Island. I mean, this is a remastered classic. It is plain old fun. It is available at Target. Yes, they kind of released a version of it that is, I guess, a little bit more kind of mainstreamy. I The box is a little bit smaller. I think they've made some slight adjustments to the yeah. components. But yeah, you can find it at Target, and that's awesome. That's another one that probably, as soon as it gets opened, like, someone, oh, someone will want to play so this cool. game. Yep, yep, yep. Absolutely. All right, so now we're going to slip into something a little bit more meaty. I'm looking at this list, and this list just makes me so happy. These are like my <laughs> comfort blanket games. <laughs> so this is our games for teens and adults. Now, teens and adults are harder to buy for because hopefully you know what somebody likes and what kinds of themes are going to turn them on. These are games with themes that we have absolutely loved, and we can't really get a whole lot more specific than that. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one on the list is actually our Game of the Year 2020. We raved about this game. We gave this game huge, huge numbers when we reviewed it, and that is Pan Am. Love Pan Am. You're reliving the golden age of air travel in this game where you're both building routes and buying stock. In Pan Am, of course, especially for anybody who has an interest in 20th century history or in airplanes, <laughs> airplanes, airplanes, airplanes. Pan Am really is almost like a spiritual sequel to Ticket to Ride in a lot of ways. It has a lot of similarities, but it is a much different game. Yeah, it's definitely its own game, but you would be forgiven if you look at this on the table and say, huh, that makes me think of Ticket to Ride. Buying stock is a huge part of this game, which is not something that, nor that normally shows up in Ticket to Ride. Also, the routes that you build might not stay yours because Pan Am is taking over the world. But you might not want it to stay yours. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so. so there's a lot of interesting things going on there. As we've said in our review, I will also state it here. Be aware, this is a super chill game at two players. Um, it's kind of your typical tight Euro worker placement at four players, and it is super cutthroat at three players. <laughs> Do not try it first at three players. You will probably be disappointed. Once you know how to play, then you might be ready. All right, let's tackle a, a couple more games for teens and adults that we love. Mm -hmm. So the next one on the list is Athenium from Renegade Games. Perfect for the wannabe librarians in your life. <laughs> so we talked about this a lot on the show. We had Athenium and we had Ex Libris. And they had very similar settings. And so we were like, huh, like they're both kind of library book-based games. Organizing shelves. The theme is kind of the, the same like yeah. in terms of what's going on. And there's clearly mystical things going on and all the books have funny titles and stuff like this. Yeah. They feel very similar. They could be in the same world. Yeah. But Ex Libris is a much bigger game in every way, really. And so we recommend Athenium as a gift. It's compact. It plays fairly fast, under an hour. And 
it doesn't take a whole lot to get up and running with this game. Athenium is a spatial puzzle where you are trying to fill your bookshelves with books. And there's a little bit of pattern matching going on here. There's a little bit of just point salad as well. Yeah. Um, you're also drafting the cards around that allow you to do the thing. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I like about it is that if you succeed at a goal in Athenium, that does not remove that goal for everyone else. Yes. Everyone gets a chance. Nice. Yeah. So we really like Athenium from Renegade. Next game on the list is Capital Lux 2. Or Capital Lux, or Capital the Lux. original Capital if Lux you 2 want just it. has more More of everything. In it. Yeah, more of everything. So this is for the dystopian sci-fi lover in your life. <laughs> it's set in a dystopian future. Outlying cities can never be allowed to gain more influence than the capital. Really, this is an abstract card-laying set collection-y kind of a game. But the theme actually works for it here, especially when it comes to the fact that there are all these different factions and ways you can set up the game, at least for Capital Lux 2. Mm-hmm. And thematically, they all do kind of work. So you've got, you know, rebels or whatever who let you move cards around, and there's all kinds of crazy stuff. It's super tactical. It's, the tactical is the word for this yes. game, because especially when we're talking about Capital Lux 2, you might have to pivot your entire strategy based on what stuff gets revealed. Yes, exactly. Which is really, really interesting. And there's a little bit of trying to read your opponents as well, because you don't know where they're going to be putting their influence either. So it's a little bit of a rush, I guess. It is. I would say this game is just long enough to make it feel like your decisions actually matter. Mm -hmm. I have played some similarly tactical games that are just too short. Where you know mentally that your decisions matter, but it just doesn't feel like it. Yeah, just like I, but if this doesn't come around to me again, I'm, I'm not sure it sure. makes a difference. Yeah, okay. Uh, our last one for teens and adults is Funfair. This is a kinder, gentler version of the already popular Unfair. Mm-hmm. It brings the themed ride attraction amusement park theme down to something that's more of the parallel solo play Mm -hmm. just a little bit of interaction between players and like happy city is more about build the best park you can yeah the review for this is again on our website very detailed lots of great pictures nick did a really good job with that one so i definitely recommend that you check that out all right and that brings us to our fifth category out of nine so we have broken past the halfway points (laughs) yay (laughs) so these are games that are really designed for a fan or at least we recommend for a family to play together yeah and we're talking a family of three or four players so the first one on this list is a game where the review for this will be coming out in a couple of weeks uh and that is the adventures of robin hood from cosmos i mean you've probably already heard us talk about it it's story driven it's not a super complicated you know grid movement dice rolling kind of thing no you've got these little guys you can move around basically with sticks for the distance yeah it's kind of a throwback to the way that you would move units in tabletop army games uh kind of but in a very simple intuitive way Mm -hmm. thankfully and there's no dice in this game there's plenty of luck yep Plenty of luck. Lots of chance. But there's no dice, and I love that. You're doing all these different kinds of bag draws for different kinds of things along the way. But it's one bag. It's always one bag, right. so and it's there's got... three different kinds of things in it. Yep. 
different tokens that are tactically unique. So it'll say, pull a disc, and you reach in and you can feel discs. Or it'll say, pull a cube, and you can reach in and, and pull a cube, you know, so... And pull a seal, and those are different yeah. as well. So it's yeah. one bag that has all of this stuff in it. And it's just, the mechanics and the stuff that they came up with in this game are so good. And the story is good, and the art is fantastic. And you're holding a real hardcover book, and that's got all the mm-hmm. stuff in it. It's just, it's a really, really great experience. Yeah, if you ever wanted to play something that is a little bit of a role-playing, a little bit of a choose-your-own-adventure book, and completely family-friendly, this is it. Yeah, it's totally not a role-playing game, but it feels like it because it's so immersive of an experience. So they do a really, really good job. All right. Well, maybe you're not interested in anything remotely role-playing at all, but you want that campaign kind of feel, that legacy kind of feel, and something a little bit meatier than zombie kids evolution for that we recommend my city this is a tile laying city building game but you customize your boards more and more and more with the more plays you have so it's got this cool legacy feel without having a storyline really yeah i mean it's there's got a little bit of a, a setting like bit of this a setting. thing happens yeah, yeah, and yeah. so your board is changing in this way but it's a really neat thing and it's a great game to play together as a family because it only takes one or two play sessions for the difficulty to equalize between your really experienced players at tiling games and first timers. I mean, I think equalize is a strong term, but they're certainly moving to Towards a more each other. equal state. Yes. As you get further along in this game, you end up having to draft tiles that are harder tiles to use if you're more successful. So there's a lot that will serve to make this a more balanced experience as time goes on. Yeah, as well as placing stickers on the board that either give you bonuses or make the game harder. So that is My City, again, from Cosmos. Cosmos is killing it, because the third game on this list is also (laughs) from Cosmos. It totally is. And that is Andor, the family fantasy game. So there's been a few games in the Legends of Andor series. They've always been fairly lightweight, fairly approachable games, but this one is absolutely family-focused. So if you have ever played Adventureland from Haba, we played one game of Andor and decided that we were ready to move on from Adventureland because this game is so good at crafting a family weight experience. Yeah, well, the story to it is a lot more compelling and the cooperation required is fantastic. This is one of those games where sort of everybody is going off and doing their own thing. But you can kind of assign missions and be like, oh, hey, you go over here and work on this, and I'm going to go over there and do this thing. And third person, you can do this. And so it's not either that kind of cooperative game where everybody is just clustered around you know, one thing on the board over and over again, nor is it the kind where it's like, well, technically it's cooperative, but we're really just all going off and doing our own thing. Mm-hmm. You really need to work together and plan together to make the game work. Yeah, well, more so the different characters have asymmetric powers. And so it's going to be things like, oh, you're the dwarf. You should go into the mine. Right. Right. It's not just like, I don't want to go in the, you know, I mean, it's not, I want to go do that thing over there. I mean, I guess you could get some of that too, but like there are reasons why different people would go to different places. Right. And it feels good to fulfill your mission, right? You're contributing Mm -hmm, to the team. mm -hmm. And we really, really like that. So that's why Andor the Family Fantasy Game is on our list. All right. One that's not from Cosmos. Finally. Yes. I mean, whatever, but true. Honestly, our favorite game these days to play together as our family of five is the Quacks of Quedlinburg. 
We can only play it as a family of five because we have the expansion. Because we have the first expansion. Yes. Normally, it only, only goes up to four players. But even though this is a little bit of an older game than the other ones we recommended, totally worth it for families of all ages. Kids as young as five or six can play. Yeah, they might not be as tactically aware of what's going on in terms of calculating the percentages of whether or not it's worth it to pull another thing out of their bag and, and stuff, you know, and really trying to min-max stuff like an adult might, but they're going to have an absolute blast doing this. As long as they can do simple arithmetic, they're pretty much good to go. They might, you know, really young kids like our seven-year-old might need a little bit of help to kind of get going sometimes, but he's able to play on his own. Oh, he's he's good now. Um, when he started playing, I think he was six and he needed a little bit of help with the buying mechanic mm-hmm. in, right. in particular. Right. And really, really understanding what all the different special abilities meant on the... Oh, sure. Well, I mean, everybody needs help with that, really. But yeah, so Quacks of Quedlinburg is an absolutely fantastic game. It's one of those games where you can kind of invest in it. There's lots of different chits and add-ons and stuff that you can pick up in various places to make it a more full and more blinged out experience. There are so many things. It's it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a blast. Moving on, though. We are on to Category 6. Games for two players. So this is kind of the opposite. Maybe you want to give a game to a certain someone to give this message of, this is special. This is for you and me. I give you that message every day. (laughs) Oh, please. (laughs) No, but... What what is that special thing? Is this for you and me? Coffee? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) All right. I was kidding. Yeah. But if you want to do that, here are two two-player games how very thematic that we think are just fantastic the first one is the game face to face this is weird because it takes this popular cooperative game the game Mm. and turns it on his head making it a competitive game between only two players you're trying to dump out your hand of cards before your opponent can dump theirs but you have to play cards in order, uh, you know, more or less sequentially, unless you play them in a way that helps your opponent, that allows you to play cards out of order. There's plenty of tension in this setup, but the way it ends up working, there's really no hard feelings because you're not communicating. Giving a card to the other person always helps them. It never hurts them. Mm -hmm. And it's something you have to do at certain points in the game to move forward. Right. Yeah, it's a really... Good cerebral experience. Good and weird. Yeah. And very thinky. Yeah. Yes. But it's great. It's uh, it's inexpensive. It's under 20 bucks. Check it out. It's a lot of fun. We couldn't get out of this, though, without recommending Unmatched. Mm-hmm. Really, anything from the Unmatched series, find a theme that works for you and your intended recipient. <laughs> Our personal favorites here are Coblin Fog for a whole set. Right. So this is... Kind of an homage to British fiction. Yeah, 19th century. 19th century. So you've got Dracula, you've got uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you have Sherlock Holmes, and you have the Invisible Man. Yes. They're incredibly thematic. I also really like the Battle of Legends Volume Mm 1. There's some great characters in there. There's a ton of different ones. There's Jurassic Park characters. There's Marvel characters that are coming out very soon. You can find a Deadpool character now. We Mm -hmm. have Bruce Lee. There's just a, a lot of options for the Unmatched series. And the company that makes these does a really, really good job making sure that the new sets that come out are not any more overpowered than any other thing. And so everything yep. can play together well. There's also a Buffy set if you have Buffy fans in your family. Okay. 
even a little bit more specialized now. <laughs> Our last three categories move into their own sort of area. Okay, so the first one is games for video chat. These are also decent large group games, pretty much. Party-ish. Party-ish games. And the first one of these is Blank Slate. Blank Slate is a party word game where what you want to do is match only one other person with the same word based on whatever the clue is. And unlike some of the other word games we've played, this is pretty approachable for kids because the whole point of Blank Slate is you're getting a clue to start with and then you want to write one more word that attaches to that clue word. Mm -hmm. So most kids, if they're reading and writing, can do this and it teaches them lessons on the try to think about what somebody else is thinking. So you can explain away your choice all you want, but you really want to get those wavelengths going on. Mm -hmm. Speaking of wavelengths. <laughs> <laughs> I promise that wasn't a uh, Great. segue. We recommend wavelength. So wavelength is a little harder because to really do this right, you need a camera that's focused on the wavelength wheel as well. But it is so great. Even over video chat, somebody has to give a clue to their team based on the position of the pointer on the wavelength wheel. And the clue giver is the only one who gets to see where the pointer is. Mm -hmm. You definitely learn a lot about the people you're playing with when you play Wavelength. <laughs> yes, and it's you do. The, it's the kind of game that leads to lots and lots of discussion. You can, of course, play it cooperatively. It doesn't have to be two competitive teams. And the last game in this list is, it's probably not my favorite Roll and Write, but it is probably <laughs> my, my favorite thematic setting for a roll and write sure and that is cartographers so in cartographers you are creating about you're being a cartographer depending on the cards that come out the cards that are flipped out you draw certain things on this map usually if you're playing this in person you actually have to pass your maps to other players where they can draw monsters on them but they have a like a, a solo variant slash large group variant that gets rid of that Piece. Yeah, and that variant is right in the rule book, so you're not searching anywhere right, for how it, to do it's that. It's right in there. So if you are in a situation where you need to play over video chat, you can basically scan one of these sheets and email it to whomever you need to, mm -hmm. and you can play it consistently with this large group variant, and everybody can play over video chat, and you can have a great time. All right, group number eight. <laughs> group number eight, stocking stuffers. I mean, everybody needs a stable of gifts that are small and inexpensive, right? So we picked up some of these for stuffing some stockings this holiday season ourselves. Uh, we did. Uh, the first one on this list, we explicitly listed the Kringle Caper, but the entire holiday hijink series, there are three of them. Currently, are yes. fantastic options for stocking stuffers. Yeah, this is like an hour or more of mystery solving, escape roomy kind of fun in 18 cards. Great. So we picked up the three game sets to shove in some stockings this I, holiday. We did, yes. And you can get the Kringle Caper, which is the first one, the Independence Incident, which is the second one, the Pumpkin Problem, which is the third one. Each one's 10 bucks, but if you order the set of three, it's 25, which is just a steal. Yeah, and we think these are our top pick for <laughs> stocking stuffer type gifts. I'm starting to wish we'd bought even more and given them out as like teacher gifts too. I mean, they're really great. I, yes. I, don't, I don't know what else to say. Like we're giving these to like my sister and her boyfriend. I don't know what to buy them. I have no idea, but this will work. Yeah, I, they'll enjoy this and, and this it'll is, give them a couple hours of, know, of, of some working great together fun. on something. Yes. Great. Yeah. So that, that's pretty much that. If you want something that's a little bit more grown up feeling, a little more chewy, then Detective 
specifically, we've reviewed Detective Bloody Red Roses. I mean, you're solving a murder mystery in this one. You are. So this is part of the Detective slash Deckscape series from DV Gyoki. Mm-hmm. These are relatively small box games. Fairly they, small. Yeah. I mean, the one that we are talking about is a murder mystery. We also did Deckscape, the mystery of El Dorado, which was trying to find the lost city of El Dorado. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, these are consistent with these reusable exit box kind of games. Work together to solve a murder in this remarkably game-like mystery box. Yeah, and that one is about 15 bucks. Mm-hmm. So, still not going to break the bank. Still stocking-sized. Right. And finally, Similo. I mean, we've talked about Similo before, probably not recently, but Similo is awesome. And there are so many variants. This game has only been out for about two years, and yet there are already six different options. So, if okay, you're so we've got Similo Fables, which mm-hmm. is, you know, fairy tales and stuff like that, Similo History, mm-hmm. Similo Animals, yep, Similo Myths, yep. And you're stuck. And I'm stuck. There is a second Similo Animals, which is Wild Animals. Okay. And there is Similo Spookies, which came out in time for Halloween. All right. So there's a lot of different options depending on what your particular bent is. Yes. (laughs) Similo is a great game where from the same single deck of cards, you lay out a grid. You basically pick one of those to be the... Goal. Chosen one, yeah. the goal or whatever. And then from a hand of three, you are giving clues silently to the guessers, which could be one person or it could be an entire crowd of people, mm-hmm. to clue them in on how to narrow down their choices to eventually pick the goal card. Yep. And that's it. You yeah. can even mix decks if you want to. Uh, yes, I have tried that on Board Game Arena and wow, it is challenging. <laughs> All right. Well, for our last section, This is the Get Everyone Playing section, games for non-gamers. Yeah, so if you've got somebody in your family who is just like, I don't know, I'm not a gamer. We have some potential options for them to to try to get them going. The first one is actually Similo again. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's so great. It is. You learn it in about 45 seconds. Yep. And everyone will crowd around the table to play. I promise you. Yep. It's super fun, and you know people just like kind of talking and debating. And it's one of those games where you, if you're the clue giver, you might have to hide your face while people are talking, <laughs> so you don't accidentally give things away. But um, yeah, it's it's just a blast. Another one we have in this category is the Bluffineer dice game. So you get to roll bone shaped dice, already cool, and it combines the themes of pirates and bluffing. So roll the dice, and then do you have a card that matches the roll of the bones? More importantly. Can you convince everyone that you do? <laughs> Hence the bluffaneer. Yeah, uh, Nick and Izzy reviewed this for us a little while back, and it makes for a hilarious time. Oh, it was a hilarious review, so you should definitely check that out yeah. at thefamilygamers.com. Last one on our list. <laughs> to no one's surprise. To no one's surprise is Super Mega Lucky Box. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I think I played this five or six times over the convention weekend. Right. Ugh. It is Bingo Meets Schoolhouse Rocks. The theme is great. The game is fun to play. You've heard us talk about fleet. This is the combo, 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 combo. combo. Combos and the ability to change your numbers lead to fun, lightweight strategy as everyone tries to complete their lucky box cards first for the most points. And there is a ton of luck in this game, but for non-gamers, that shouldn't matter. Yeah, it usually doesn't matter for non-gamers. They kind of often need a little bit of luck because it helps them when they can't make decisions. So So that's the list. We made it through the list. We did it. You did it, listener. (laughs) 
Thank you for sticking with us. You are a superstar. So if we missed something that you think we should have included, if you have a question about why we included something or didn't include something else, you should get a hold of us online. Yeah, you can do that on Facebook in our Family Gamers community. You can get there by going to thefamilygamers.com forward slash community. It'll bring you right into the Facebook community. Or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Family Gamers AA for Andrew and Anitra. If you want to email us privately, that's totally fine too. My email is anitra at thefamilygamers.com. And mine is andrew at thefamilygamers.com. One last suggestion we have for holiday gifts. Check out our merchandise, whether it says Family Gamers or Play Games with Your Kids. You've got t-shirts and hoodies and mugs. You can get it all at thefamilygamers.com forward slash merch. Please give us a holiday gift by subscribing to the podcast and telling your friends about it. You can leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast subscription source is. You can also find us on Amazon Music and TuneIn and Stitcher and Spotify. The Family Gamers is sponsored by First Move Financial. Thank you so much to them for sponsoring the show. You should go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers and learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points. Thanks so much to First Move for sponsoring the show. So Anitra, I think, I think we made it. I think we're done. I'm actually really looking forward to next week because I want to find out what video games you should be buying me for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I want to find out what video games you should be buying me for Christmas. Oh, fine. Okay. <laughs> if that's how this is going to be. <laughs> well, no matter what, hopefully you will find out some video games that you should be buying for your families this Christmas. In the meantime, maybe you should buy them some board games. But until next week, play, play games, games with, with your kids. kids.